So if you have your copy of God's Word and you turn to Mark chapter 4, if you would stand with me as we read through this. We're going to start at verse 21, and we're going to read through verse 34. So starting at verse 21, it says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, what, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use it for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, we thank you that in your word we find hope, hope eternal. We find Jesus, our Savior. So Father, I pray this morning that you would encourage us, that you would convict us, that you would uh, just challenge us from your word. Holy Spirit, teach us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So as we continue through this, uh, this chapter of Mark in chapter 4, Jesus kind of starts with His parables. And last week we talked about the parable of the sower with the seeds on the soil. And, and ultimately we talked about that as the significance of, of the soil of men and the heart. And as Jesus continues, he's going to use uh, two more, three more parables this morning that we want to look at. And what they are is, so if you think about it, the, the parable of the sower on the soil is, is course uh, 101. And now he's going to dive into the advanced course and explain a little bit farther um, kingdom growth. Because that's really the one spiritual truth that's kind of being uh, ferreted out and explained through this. And, and what is kingdom growth? Kingdom growth being the kingdom of God and, and the spiritual realm of God. And how does it grow? And, and, and I think as we look at this text, there are really um, two ways that Jesus is kind of talking about on how kingdom growth happens. And last week we, we talked about the first one. It's by the condition of the soul, the hearts of men. Understand this, everyone is a hearer. Every single person is a hearer. There's, there's things all around us that we are hearing, that we are listening to. And I find it interesting that Jesus in this, this text, he, he mentions three things. He says, take heed that you hear. 
Take heed that you hear. Make sure that you hear. He that has an ear, let him hear. Take heed that you hear. It is very important that you hear. I mean, he just got done talking about the soils of the heart. That some soil is rock hard and unteachable and unreceptive. Some is shallow and has no root and, and is, is fickle and impatient impulsive and 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 has no strength when when thorns and the cares of this world come and 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 so take heed that you hear he that has an ear let him hear this week he he mentioned something he says in verse uh, uh 23 i'm sorry in, in in verse 24 he says not just take heed uh that you hear he says pay attention take heed to what you hear so take heed that you hear, take heed what you hear. And in Luke's account of this same passage, uh, Luke says that Jesus also says, not just take heed that you hear, take heed what you hear, but take heed how you hear. Kingdom growth happens by the condition of the soil, if we follow the analogy of the, the parable here. Everyone is a hearer. And so this week, as he expands upon it, as we dive into these next three parables, we want to look at not just that kingdom growth happens by the soil, but also happens by the work of the seed, the Word of God. Take heed that you hear, but what are you hearing? Pay attention to what you hear. To understand how the kingdom grows, Jesus further expands with parables our understanding of the importance of the Word of God for growth. He connects the first parable, the soil, to this parable and the following two parables. At the, end of, uh, at the beginning of his explanation, if you look back a couple of verses to verse 13, it says as he's pulled aside by his disciples and they say, hey, can you explain this to us? Jesus says to them, verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Because they're connected. This is a diving deeper, further explanation. And so Jesus jumps in, starting at verse 21 with this next parable, this idea of a lamp. And I think as we look at these three parables, they are connected and they all have to do with the significance and the importance of the Word of God for kingdom growth. And the first one that he's going to talk through is a purpose. Okay, if you're writing notes, you want your outline, we're going to look at a purpose, we're going to look at a, a, a puzzle, and then we're going to look at a power. So the first one is a purpose. Notice what it says. It says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? This is not a candle. This is a lamp, a lamp that, that would be an oil lamp, and, and, and this is, they didn't have lights. You know, like you go into your house today, you flip on a light switch. Um, this is pre-electricity, okay? If you can follow along, they had to use lamps. And the lamp was their light. And, and I think there, the, there's a significant point here that as Jesus transitions and he talks about the good soil that is, is sown and, and it reaps a benefit, and he then transitions and you almost sit here and you say, now wait a minute, this is kind of an odd transition. There's no connection, um, but he just jumps into the next thing. You know? So he's talking about soil in one point, and now he's talking about lamps. Understand that he's in his mind got a thread that he's running through. So he talks about the seed. 
the seed that when it is received, and now he wants to tell you the purpose of the seed. The purpose of the seed is illumination. It gives light for understanding. There are three factors in this parable that he tells us about why the seed, the Word of God, is so important for kingdom growth because it is illuminating and it gives light for understanding. Notice, first of all, he says when you have a lamp, you don't put it under a basket, you don't put it under the bed, you put it where? On a lampstand in the center of a room. Why? So that it can illuminate the entire room. So that it can affect every aspect of the room. The three factors, the first one is its centrality. A lamp is put in a place where it affects every aspect of a room. Psalm uh, uh, 105 tells us, or 119, I'm sorry, tells us the importance of the word, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That is the reality that the word of God illuminates and gives us understanding and is a guide for life. It gives us direction, it gives us hope, it gives us inspiration so on and so forth. John, in recording at the very beginning of his gospel, he says that the light came into the world. There's an important factor here of light and illumination. Why? Because the Word of God is to be central in our lives. There is a centrality that is so vital and important here that the Word is a lamp and it should be placed on a lampstand, which means it should be at the center of our lives, illuminating and affecting every aspect of our life. You want to grow spiritually? Right here. This should be illuminating every aspect of your life. It should be central in our life. If this is not the center of your life, if your life does not revolve around the Word of God, then it is not impacted by the Word of God and you are not going to grow spiritually. Jesus says, I am, where are you quizzers at? John chapter 9, verse 5, I am the light of the world. He shines forth and illuminates the darkness. A church, by the way, when we talk about a church that is spiritually growing, it's not about numerical growth, brothers and sisters. That is a good and important thing. But spiritual growth is much more vital and important. And it happens when a church makes as its foundation a centrality at the Word of God. Any church that makes its programs that makes its, its essence centered at the foundation of the Word of God. Any program that we do that does not have at its central the Word of God, it can be good. Fellowship is good. It's essential. It's important. It's encouraged. And it's instructed. And by the way, we only know of that because of the Word of God. The Word of God is foundational it should be central. You don't take and form a church and say, let's hide the word under a basket or under a bed. But we say we will declare it from our pulpits and in our homes. It must impact every aspect of life. And not just that a church should have the word as central, but a church must have Jesus as the center of the word. Centrality. But Jesus not only says that it's this lamp, He says, 
for nothing. And this is a fun little uh, 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 couple of verses to walk through because it seems kind of paradoxical and confusing. But listen to this. He says, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except that it should come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. The word of God is clarification. Right? It reveals light is, is, is always revealing. Truth is revealing. The truth shall set you free. It is light and truth. It, it, it is clarification. The things of the kingdom were hidden. Do you know why? In order to be revealed. Here's the, the, the paradox of parables. And, and we read through these difficult passages like, like uh, the beginning of, or earlier in this chapter where it says that he spoke to them in parables so that it would be hidden. There are no secrets in the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters. That's what it says here. But things are hidden that they might be revealed. Jesus himself is a paradox in that he is God hidden in the flesh only to be revealed as our Savior. Jesus oftentimes spoke in parables not so that they could be concealing truth, but that truth would be revealed through them. And that is a hard concept sometimes for us to walk through and understand, but there is a reality that God is always seeking to reveal truth, and He uses things to hide truth in order that they may be revealed. And, and I don't always understand that, but it's a truth that I accept. I'm talking about a purpose for the Word, and, and Jesus talks about it. It's a lamp. It, it, it lights, it reveals, it illuminates, it, it clarifies. It should be central, but there is also a condition for it. Notice what he says in verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. God's not a communist, brothers and sisters. There's a condition. He says, pay attention to what you hear. Two points. There's all kinds of noise that is garnering our attention, that is trying to hit our ears. There's all kinds of noise in this world. You, you walk in this world for one second and you'll realize that there's all kinds of noise. And Jesus says, pay attention to what you're allowing in. We shouldn't be filling our ears with gossip and slander and, and impurity and vague, uh, 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 all kinds of vulgar things. We should be paying attention to what we hear. And he says, pay attention. And there's a principle here that he says, and this is a, a fa fascinating principle. He says, if you don't use it, you will lose it. Somebody who wants to hear and seeks to know the word, Jesus says, more will be given to them. There's a law of, of entropy we, we, we know of, right? The law of entropy. Let's see if I can do this. I, I hope there's no scientists, biologists in here because I'm probably going to botch it. But the law of entropy is that, that, um, that things naturally digress and go to disorder. I don't know if that's the exact wording. I'm sure it's not, but that's the basic gist of it is that as things go, they get worse and degrade and break down. There is a law of syntropy that is talked about here in the text. That 
spiritual resources expand with use and are lost with disuse. I'm going to draw this in. The amount of time you give to the Word is a direct correlation to the amount of spiritual growth you will have. And the less time you spend in it, the more you will lose it. Let that sink in. The more time you spend in the Word, the more God will reveal Himself. And I've been walking through, uh, and I shared with the prayer group this morning, walking through the book of Micah, and there are some hard things in the book of Micah. I shared with a brother earlier this week, I read this passage first thing in the morning, and it talks about filleting skin and, and putting it in a cauldron and boiling, and I'm like, what? Hard stuff to read. And then you get to Micah 6, the, the one verse that everybody knows from Micah 6. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, to, to love justice and to walk uprightly. And to, 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 you know, but, but before that, there's a couple of verses and it says, you know, what, what can I do to please the Lord? Shall I bring Him as He pleased with the sacrifice of a thousand rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Is this what pleases the Lord? No. And I walk through that, I'm like, I can't even walk in my own daily life uh, offering a sacrifice of my own life for the Lord, it seems like. And I walk in despair, and then I'm sitting here praying to the Lord, would you just give me some wisdom and direction? And, and this morning before I, I leave for church, I, I'm finishing up the book of Micah, and I come to the end of the chapter, chapter 7, in this incredible passage. It says, who is comparable to you, God? You pardon sin and iniquity. You cast them into the depths of the sea. After walking through the struggle of can I even possibly manage to please the Lord in my daily life, you come to the end of that passage, that end of that book, and he says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sin into the depths of the seas. If we aren't spending time in the Word, we don't know that. We'll regress spiritually. We aren't spending time each and every day. Why do we treat this so oftentimes like it's an optional thing that when I have time, I'll make use of it? And then we walk out and we say, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I'll tell you why you don't know why God's will is for your life because you're not spending time in God's Word. And I say that from a place of conviction in my own life, not condemnation. Purpose. Jesus says, here it is. You want more? Dive into it more. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, I just want to grow spiritually. I want to grow spiritually. I want to then spend more time in the Word. To him who has, more will be given. And to him who has not, even what he has will be taken from him. Pay attention to what you hear. The Word is a purpose of illumination and light because it is important for spiritual growth. 
But then Jesus goes on and he, he uses these stories and he's, he's sharing these truths and he goes on and he says, and, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and his seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then full of grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle because the harvest has come. And I'm reminded as I read through this of a puzzle, and the puzzle is this. We have, first of all, the Word with its purpose to illuminate. And by the way, this is the only account that this parable is recorded. Mark's the only one that records it. And and as we're talking about this idea of the seed and how important it is, the puzzle is, how does it work? How does it work? Three things. Number one, a responsibility in regards to the seed. Jesus tells us. The kingdom of God is as if a man should, what? Scatter seed. Here's the responsibility we have as brothers and sisters to sow. I mentioned that last week. And I'm going to mention it over and over again. Our responsibility. It is our only responsibility, by the way. (gasps) That's it? Yes, it is our only responsibility to sow the word. Sow the word, sow the word, sow the word. Just keep sowing it. Notice how he does it. It says that he goes, sleeps and rises night and day. Sleeps and rises night and day. It's like a pattern. You you, you keep at it, you keep at it, you sow the word. You keep at it, you sow the word night and day. You keep at it. And guess what? You cannot speed up the process. This is where the puzzle comes in. How does it work? You can't speed up the process. If you've ever done any farming or growing uh, at all, you know that you plant the seed. You can do things to help the seed. You can water it. You You can put sunlight on it. But guess what? You can't speed up the process. You can't speed it up the process. We have a responsibility to seed and water night and day. And by the way, what a great perspective for us as parents and perspective for us as individuals. We sow the word into our children night and day, night and day, night and day. We just keep sowing the word. And we can't sit there and say, I want them to be believers. I want them to understand and believe the word. We can say that, but it's not going to make it happen, is it? We sow the word. That's our responsibility. Sow the word. We speak truth to them. We speak the word. We speak the word over and over again. And guess what? They grow up and they leave your house and you don't have control. And some may even walk away and disavow the word of God and say, I don't believe it. But you sowed the word in their heart. And the puzzling part is you have no control over the growth. God does. And I guarantee you, if you are faithfully sowing the Word night and day to your children, if you're constantly sowing the Word night and day to your parents who are unbelievers, if you are constantly sowing the Word to your neighbor who does not believe, if you're constantly doing it night and day, you are going to be far better off if they even walk away than if you didn't sow the Word night and day. Because it's sowed. It's there. I'll tell you why I love Bible quiz. I'll tell you why it should be one of our top priorities here at this church. It is more important to me. My Bible quizzing experience has been more important to me than my seminary education. Because it was the Word of God implanted deep into my heart. And you sow that. It will not go away. 
It is vital. It's central. It's, assen- it's the essence. And we must do this as a church. They might walk away, but Proverbs tells us that if we are training them in the Word, they will not depart. And that's sometimes a hard thing when we see them walk away. But the Word is sowed. The Word is sowed. And our programs must be centered on the Word, sowing, sowing, sowing. It's not a matter of whether I understand it either, but I sow it. But notice what he says. It says, He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The farmer doesn't even know how it works. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear than the full grain in the ear. I said that there's a responsibility in regards to the seed. There's a recognition in regards to the seed. The recognition is the miraculous nature of growth. If you stop and study growth of a seed, it is an amazing thing. Growth is always by God through His Word. The farmer doesn't know. It's important for us to know that we don't need to understand how a verse might impact someone. We like to understand, we like to know, we like to comprehend, we like to understand. I had a conversation with somebody that said, I created a narrative in my own mind because I didn't understand. That's what we do, because we have to have an understanding. We don't need to understand because we cannot understand, except for this, God is miraculous and He makes things grow. And He uses His Word to do it. It's just our responsibility to sow the Word. Seed growth is not a mechanism, it's not a process, but it's a real life force of the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living and active. Over and over again, we can read how God makes it grow. I find it interesting, if you notice in the text, it says the earth produces by itself. The Greek word there is automē. Sound familiar? Automē It's automatic. It's only used one other time in Scripture, and it's in Acts where Peter escapes from prison, and he, as he's walking out, he's following the angel, he comes to the prison guard, and it says that the, I mean the prison door, and it says that the prison door opens automatically, automatically by itself. This is freedom, by the way. Because we sit here and we sow the word and we let the word do its work and God miraculous. When I have planted anything, which I am a terrible gardener, usually what happens is I plant a whole bunch of seeds and maybe one thing pops up. But the reality is I'm amazed that one thing popped up. How did that happen? If you've ever planted anything, it's amazing that a plant, you know, that the shoot knows somehow that it's supposed to go up towards light, which it has never seen. And it knows that it's supposed to send its roots down deep to counteract gravity. It's amazing if you stop and consider it. And that is the Word of God, my brothers and sisters, that we sow. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a farmer who goes out and he scatters the seed and the kingdom grows on its own because it's the Word of God. I said there were three. There's a a, a responsibility, there is a recognition, and there is a reward in regards to the seed. Notice what he says. When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle 
because the harvest has come. You are sowing night and day, sowing. You may sit here and struggle. What's the point of it? They're not getting it. They're not believing it. They're not receiving it. You just keep sowing. You just keep sowing and sowing and sowing. And one day, the harvest will come. And there is a reward. Can we believe the promise of God's word in Isaiah chapter 55 where he says, so shall my word be that when I send it forth, it shall not return void. Paul says, you know, some plant, some water, but God causes the growth. So Jesus says the word, the, the, the seed in growth and the way the word of God works, it's, it's, it's illuminating, it is light, it is revealing, it is truth, that is its purpose. And, and guess what? In regards to the kingdom, there's a puzzle. How does it work? It works like this. I sow and God makes it grow. That's freedom, by the way, because at the right appointed time, if I am privileged enough, I get to reap the rewards of constant sowing. And if you ever have experienced that, it is a joy in your heart that can be replaced by nothing else. But Jesus offers us a third parable. He says, so here, here we go. What can we compare the kingdom of God to? It's amazing to me that the creator of the universe says, okay, as I'm trying to explain this to these people, what, what illustration is there that I could possibly compare the kingdom of God to? Ah, mustard seed mustard seed this tiny little seed and and in people the skeptics go it's not the smallest seed it's not the smallest seed it's the smallest seed that you sow into the garden that's what jesus said he didn't lie it's the smallest seed that you sow and i'm not going to get into botany because i really don't know but but there is truth to that but this last point of the kingdom and, and the word of god and the power of it is a comparison of size to illustrate the word's power he says, what can it be compared to? It's like a tiny grain of mustard seed, and when it is sown on the ground, it is the smallest of the seeds. You know what I just about did? This tells you how, and this is a side note, I tried to swipe on my, computer, my Bible here. It doesn't work. So, yet when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes larger. All the garden plants, and it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Here's the point. The Word of God is power. It's power. That a tiny seed turns into a huge tree. It's such power. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul's uh, a proposition of his entire book. He says what? The Word of God, that, that, that he is not ashamed of the Gospel. Why? Because it is the dunamos, the dynamite, the power of God for salvation. We should never be ashamed of the Word of God because it is the power of God that a tiny mustard seed could become a giant tree. The kingdom of God from a tiny sea, it began in a quiet nativity in a tiny town of Bethlehem. The kingdom of God began with an insignificant Galilean sowing the seed of truth because he was the truth. It began with 12 insignificant men and it has grown into an enormous kingdom that spans the globe from a tiny seed. The Word. That the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But what about the birds of the air? 
It says that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. I think there's some significance here. Oftentimes, they are viewed as the enemies. I think this also illustrates the significance of how much power that the Word of God has, I can, that, that we can see how large from such a tiny seed it has become that even the enemies can call themselves the church today. And when you look at the church today and what calls itself the church today, political correctness has invaded. There's no truth. There's no distinction. The Word, however, must be the key to the heart of the church. It is the key for kingdom growth. And the key to kingdom growth is all about our treatment of the seed. And then Jesus closes with something that I think is the pivotal point to the whole passage. In these last two verses, you can quickly overlook. He says, with many such parables he spoke... I like to, when I read, by the way, sometimes uh, I've got a, a Bible that has double spacing and so you can write notes in between. I love it. And I highlight and underline words all the time and phrases and I thought that was fascinating to me. It's a side note. It really has nothing to do with the sermon. But with such parables, he spoke the word to them. We don't even have those. I wonder what he said. What parables did he use? But then he said another thing that was fascinating to me. He said, as they were able to hear it, God only gives us what we can handle. He says he did not speak to them without a parable. And here it is, brothers and sisters. This is, you walk away with only one thing. Walk away with this. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. If the word of God is key, fundamental, pivotal, essential to spiritual growth and the growth of the kingdom of God. There's only one place that you can go for understanding. It's get alone with Jesus and ask Him to explain it to you. His disciples spent three years with Him. His disciples were confused even at His death and what was going on. They didn't know, but they had spent more time with Him than any of us. But Jesus says privately to his own disciples, he explained what? You should highlight and underline that. Everything. I can't tell you how many times in my life where I've walked through and I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know, God, how I'm supposed to do this or that. And if I would just take the time to privately alone go be with Jesus and say, would you please just speak to me? Would you just explain this to me? These parables, would you just explain them to me? He's willing. He's ready and He's able. Privately to His own disciples. We must get alone with Jesus to be taught by Him. All of this beckons a number of questions. Number one, have I even received the word for the kingdom with a good soil? Has it taken root? If you spend more than one week in this church, you'll find that as long as I'm preaching, the gospel will be shared. Because the gospel is the Word of God. And Jesus declared in a parable that there will be soil 
that is ready and that there will be soil that is hard, that there will be soil that is uh, 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 fickle and shallow. There are all kinds of things, but here's the reality, brothers and sisters, that Jesus Christ came and lived and died, and we are going to partake this morning in the greatest celebration that can ever happen. A celebration. Why? Why celebrate a death? Why celebrate somebody being murdered, tortured, and crucified in the most cruel death sentence ever. Because His death and burial and resurrection means eternal life for me. And that's the reality. That's why we meet. That's why we gather. We gather because we say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that He rose from the dead, and by belief in that, the finished work of the cross, I can have eternal life. And I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to celebrate what kind of God can be compared to Him who is willing to pardon sin. And if you sit here today and you have never taken the time to get with God and say, I believe, would you give me that righteousness from Jesus Christ? Let today be the day. But not just that, the the question needs to be beckoned to us as believers is have I taken heed to listen? Am I spending time, if this is the Word of God, if I believe that every morning is the most valuable time, am I preparing my heart for the day by spending time alone with Jesus, asking Him what His Word means? If I believe that this is truth, that it is eternal life for all who would receive it, if I believe, you know, what we do with our actions is so indicating of my heart belief. And if I believe that this is the Word of God, I'm going to spend time with Him. And if I don't understand it, I'm going to ask Him, Jesus, would you explain it to me? And if you walk in here on a Sunday morning, You ought to be asking yourself, how did you prepare to receive the word? If we believe that that, that the proclamation of this word from a pulpit is so important, if we believe it's worth me giving up a few hours on Sunday morning, I would ask you the question, did you just roll out of bed this morning and walk in to your vehicle and pull in and you're half asleep? Or did you get up a little earlier and spend time with the Lord and say, God, would you prepare my heart that I can receive the word of truth this morning? I speak from a place of conviction because I know how lazy I am and how easy it is. And you say, well, I can't get up early. Go to bed earlier. What's more important, the Word of God and preparing a heart or saying, I'm just going to go through the motions so that so-and-so knows that I'm there. That way they don't think that I'm backsliding. It is so easy to slide backwards. Because when we spend less time in here, Jesus said it will be taken. But when we spend time diving in, you find hope, you find encouragement, and more will be given to you. And then last, I would just simply ask this. Have you taken the time to get along with Jesus and ask Him to explain it to me? Celebrating His death. Preparing our hearts before we come. Here's the beauty of what we do here at this church. We practice what we call open communion. You don't have to be a member of this church because membership is an entrance into the kingdom of God. 
You don't even have to be baptized. Because baptism is an entrance into the kingdom of God. Those things are, are, are important. They're good. But if you are a member of the family of God, and what a great and beautiful thing that Jesus has declared us His brothers. In Hebrews, He says that He is not ashamed to call us His brothers. You realize what that means? That the Savior of the world, the Creator of the universe says, I am not ashamed to call you my brothers and sisters. And John declares for us in his first epistle, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called, what? The children of God. And so now we are. Not ten years from now. Not tomorrow, but today. And if you have received that love, and you believe that Jesus Christ has died for your sins, and you have a trusted in that as your means of salvation, His righteousness, then I would say, come and celebrate with me. But before you do, prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Ask the Lord, Jesus, would you teach me? Would you show me the areas of my life that I need brought bare? There's no secrets in the kingdom. Jesus, would you show me where my bitterness has crept in and has kept me from loving that brother or sister? Jesus, would you show me where my greed has prevented me from being generous? Jesus, would you show me where my laziness has caused me to fall out of love with your word and therefore neglected it and it has grown dusty and dark and has no meaning and understanding in my heart? And you know what the beauty is? Jesus through His Word, has said that the Father has cast all that into the depths of the sea. And then come and celebrate. Come and celebrate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word that is hope and love and joy and peace. We thank You that Jesus came and walked in this life and declared that the kingdom of God is like a seed that has been sown, and its growth is by God the Father. And Father, we thank You that as we sit here today declaring that we believe the truth that You have caused to grow in our hearts. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, and I pray for myself that we would confess our sins, that we would repent, and we would acknowledge that You are God. And we will receive the cleansing and the forgiveness that you so faithfully offer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.